Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And I hope you guys have been enjoying this month's dedication to financial literacy. We don't necessarily love that term financial literacy here on the, on the podcast. I like to call it financial education. I just feel like when you say the term literacy, people feel like they need to go read something or learn how to read before they can actually come talk to an advisor or talk to someone about their money. So I want to just throw that out there. So we're going to continue this financial education. And today we are joined by Suzanne Mariga. And I couldn't be more excited to have her on the show. I was on her show a couple of weeks back. And so now we have the pleasure of having her on ours. So welcome to the show. Hi, Emma. I'm glad to be here on the show. So we met and I mean, if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to that podcast, we'll put some links in that one so you guys can hear what her and I chatted about on her podcast. But today you guys are going to be blessed with this. So please tell the minority money community a little bit about yourself. So I am a CPA by background. I'm CPA for over 20 years. Stop counting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I specialize in corporate taxation. So corporate taxation, personal taxes for the owners, that type of thing. Started out my career at Anderson in Chicago and later went to KPMG and started my own business about one on 15 years ago. So been in business for quite a while. Yeah. Just started when you were two. Right. Started when you're young, too. Exactly. We could talk tax strategy. I actually started working for my dad when I was 14. He was a CPA. And I'm telling you, one of the best tax write-offs you can do is hire those little ones, right? And give them some training. Really? You know what? I've thought about that. And I've heard people say that before. And that's absolutely something we will have to talk about that. Well, matter of fact, you brought it up. So talk through that. Because I think we're going to jump right in. You know, we have some other things we're going to talk about. But that is a great, please, please talk about that. How, How do you get the kids involved with the business? It's an excellent strategy. So my dad hired me when I was 14 and he hired me to be one of his bookkeepers. He had a CPA firm in Ohio and, you know, I would literally do the bookkeeping and some of the simple taxes for his clients. And if any of you guys follow Malcolm Gladwell at all, he talks Mm -hmm. about outliers and Mm -hmm. he says, you know, it takes about 10,000 hours to become an expert at something or 10 years. And I was like, yeah, when I graduated from college and I started my first job, I was already an expert, you know, because Mm -hmm. I started so young. And the great thing about hiring your kids is, you know, you don't only just give them experience, you know, real experience. Like I was learning how to answer the phone. I was learning how to talk to people much more older than me. I was learning entrepreneurship because a lot of his clients were business clients at the time. But he was also getting a tax write-off, right? Because if your kids make, or anybody, if anyone makes less than a standard deduction, which is like $12,500, you make less than a standard deduction, that's not subject to federal taxes. So it's a tax deduction for the owner of the business, but it's not taxable income from a federal standpoint for your children. Now, you know, if you're a S corp or a C corp, you know, you've got Social Security and Medicare that you're going to have to factor in there. Mm -hmm. But there are actually entities out there like LLC, disregarded entity, or those that are running as a sole proprietorship right now. You know, there's no Social Security and Medicare on your child's wages, Mm -hmm. as long as they're under 18 and they're working for mom and dad's business. So, you know, my dad told me I was making two bucks an hour, you know, because it was like way back in the 80s. <laughs> Who knows how much he was actually, you know, giving that W2 for. And then, you know, you can actually go a step further. You could work with Emlyn 
and you can set up a Roth IRA for your child. And Roth IRA is an after-tax vehicle, meaning that you're putting contributions in to that after taxes. And so what that means is that, you know, now your child didn't pay any taxes, but technically they did. They got a W-2, right? They ran through payroll. But now your child can put that money into a Roth IRA that's going to grow tax-free. So when they're retiring, they're pulling that money out. They didn't pay any taxes on it. And they can use that money to go to college, start to fund that college, buy that first home. There's a lot of benefits with it. So definitely take advantage of, you know, you guys are in entrepreneurship. Give your kids that experience and get that tax write-off. See, look, now you know why she's here. You hear, she ain't, we just started. She just said her name and then start giving tips. I'm loving it. This is it. Because I think about that and I'm like, as you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, we can do that. You know, that makes a lot of sense. I never thought about that. And even as, even, you know, even being an advisor. So age 14, they have to be 14. Does it, does it matter oh, no. by the state or is that a federal? What, no, that, no, 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 no. That was just when my dad felt that I was ready. I was a slow developer, I guess. <laughs> But, you know, as soon as they can do meaningful work, they can shred, if they can model for your magazines, depending on what type of work that you, and we have some clients that are, you know, actresses, actors, and their kids model for them, right? They, mm-hmm. they put their kids in that industry. So as long as they're doing meaningful work, you're tracking their time, they're getting a reasonable wage, you know, you're not paying them $100 an hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> Unless you're doing $100 hour work. Right. But as long as it's a reasonable compensation, you're tracking it, it's absolutely deductible. Nice. That's awesome. I did not know that. We'll be trying to figure out how we can implement that strategy. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So today we're going to be talking, and I hope you guys like that tip. Today we're going to be talking about profiting in minority business enterprise. And so we're going to talk about that today. And it excites me about this. And I know you're very passionate about this. So talk to us just a little bit about that before I dive into some of the questions. I just want to talk about being a profitable minority business. Talk to us a little bit about that. You know, it's so important. I actually wrote a book, Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises with Mike McCallowitz, because it was so important. And, you know, a lot of business owners, minority, non-minority, you know, a lot of times we start businesses because we love what we do. It's our gift to the world, you know, whether it's being a doctor or attorney or artist, right? It's our gift to the world. And we love what we do so much. You know, if I want investment advice, you know, Emlyn loves investment so much. He would probably tell me for free, like, Suzanne, Mm -hmm. this is a great idea. You got to do this. And unfortunately, what happens a lot of times is we run our businesses. We're so excited about starting our businesses. We're so excited about growing our portfolio and really making our clients happy, right? That a lot of times we get lost in that. And what happens is we don't get the results that really meet up to what we were working for, right? A lot of times business owners will turn around and they'll say, you know, I could have made more working at a job, Mm -hmm. literally a J-O-B than what I'm (laughs) making in entrepreneurship because they're so busy low-balling their prices, giving a discount, feeling bad for somebody and going, you know, I can drop my prices just to be able to help you. Mm -hmm. That at the end of the day, you know, profit is a random result at the end of the year. (laughs) And when I can't tell you how many people come through my door with a shoebox and they're like, you know, calling me a day later, like, how much do I owe for taxes? And I'm like, you don't know? And they're like, no, the shoebox didn't tell me. I don't even know how much I made for profit. Right. And it's because they're not making profit intentional, right? They're Mm -hmm. literally doing the actions to get the sale, paying their bills, exactly what U.S. generally accepted accounting principles tells us, right? Revenue minus expenses equals profit. Mm -hmm. And they think that profit is naturally going to follow, but it doesn't. And most of the time, it's just not worth it. And so what happens in Profit First, which is the book that I wrote, Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises is we, we invert that. 
and we go, you know, what does winning really look like for you? You know, how much do you want to make at the end of the day? How do you feel happy in your business, mm -hmm. right? And so what happens is we literally create bank accounts to force that to happen. So we pay our profit first. So we create an income account where all the money comes into this income account. And then twice a month, we allocate it to different bank accounts. We allocate to a, a bank account called Profit. So you're profitable day one, right? They spot a, a certain percentage of what a healthy company looks like, depending on your size. We allocate to owner's pay because when I ask my business owners, who's your MVP? Who's your most valuable player on your team? Most of them will say, Alan, Sue, Mary Beth. Well, they'll never say their own name, right? Because, you know, they're thinking, who can I not live without? But the reality is your business doesn't operate if you're not in it. You are the MVP. And so I need you to pay yourself first. And I have a really great story I can tell you about that one day too, Emily, mm -hmm. just about my personal life where yeah. before I started Profit First, I didn't pay myself. And when my back went out, which it eventually did from overworking, mm -hmm. at some point, I couldn't hire anybody to do yeah. the work. And that owner's pay is set aside so that if you have to step out of your business, you can have somebody else come in and take that place. Mm. We also have a banking account for taxes because reality is to those who have been given more is expected, right? And that government is going to be there. We can do our best to get it down and we've got some great strategy, but reality is we're all going to have some taxes. So let's go ahead and reserve for it. Let's not be on pins and needles. Let's not finance last year's taxes with this year's money. Let's <laughs> go ahead and reserve for our taxes. And then finally, whatever's left over is for operating expenses. So we have one account for operating expenses and that's all that we have. And again, we are using that one account for operating expenses because we're using something called the Parkinson's law. And Parkinson's law tells us as human beings, we spend whatever we're given. We use whatever we're given. You know, if you go to like that golden crown and you get that really big, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and it was many, many places, you're going to come out eating a whole lot more than mm -hmm. if you went to the order of dinner with a five inch plate, right? Mm -hmm. And so the same way it is with finances. You know, when we have a smaller amount that we can use, a smaller bank account that's been funded, once that money gets low, we're going to start going into panic attack, right? We're, we're going to cut mm -hmm. our spending. Suddenly things of new opportunities aren't that great because we don't have the money for it. So we're creating that illusion of scarcity with that. And so that's how Profit First works. It's really about aligning what's important to you and creating that outcome from the beginning. Mm, I love it. So we will put links to that book in the show notes. You can get it on Amazon, right? Exactly. You can get okay. it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, any of those bookstores. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to read it myself. Like I need that because I'm thinking about this setup. Like when you're talking about the different accounts, like when you're having your clients come in, obviously you have your operating account, general account, right? And then you got your savings account and then you have your payroll account. Possibly sometimes people do that if they have payroll. And then you're saying, so you usually suggest that the clients have four different accounts, one it for taxes up, or. Yeah. It ends up being about five accounts. In total. Okay. So you got the income account, profit, mm -hmm. owners pay tax and then operating expenses, about five accounts total. I like it. I like it because it really, it's almost like the bucket thing, right? People talk about different buckets for different things. And I think that's exactly it. Definitely have to have the taxes like, you know, because you know, they're going to get that. And I love how you said, don't finance this year's taxes with la or last year's taxes with this year's money. I was like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, was like, that's a, I love that. So that, that's really good. How do you win with government contracting? How do you do that? The government contracting is really tricky. And it's interesting, you know, you know, we've had the privilege of doing government contracts with some of the largest entities in this country. And they can be very lucrative, but also if you think about how government contracts work, it works on something called, you know, it's a competitive bidding process, right? Request for a proposal. And whenever you're bidding, the one that wins is the one that really 
proposes the lowest dollar amount, right? The mm-hmm. one that's going to operate at a loss practically, <laughs> right? Is the winner. And so you're at a losing game from just that beginning part. And so keep that in mind. So really, there are several ways that you can win in government contracts. One is no one to walk away. There's no way that you can win in this deal. If you're competing based on price and you're getting the lowest one wins, right? Maybe that's a game that you don't want to play in, yeah. right? And so know when you, when you want to walk away. So know what your costs are going to be involved. Know what the effort is going to take to do that. Know what you're going to have to hire vendors, get supplies. Know what your cost is all in, right? Mm-hmm. And then look at the last bid. Ask for that tally from the bid tabulation from the last bid. Where it came out last year, am I going to make a profit knowing what my expenses are with that? Mm-hmm. And so even with the proposals, I don't know if you've ever filled out one, but they're like, some of them are like 50 pages. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right? mm-hmm. And you're putting your best ideas. And if you're not going to really seriously be able to profit from this contract, you know, somebody's going to get those ideas that you're putting in your contract. So definitely you know, think be about, careful. do I really yeah. want to even waste my time with that? You know, where I find the most successful contracts are going to be more like your specialty type of contracts where there are not necessarily a lot of competition. So if you're going for something like cleaning services, right? Mm-hmm or where there's a lot of competition, it's going to be a, <laughs> a race to the bottom. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're looking more for our specialty type of contractors, you know, specialized engineering projects, specialized manufacturing components, very specialized types of services, right? Where mm-hmm. there's not a lot of competition. You want to start with, you don't necessarily want to go into a bid where you don't know anybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So you want to start building that because there's a silent period once the RFP comes out where you're not even allowed to talk to the potential client, right? You're not even allowed to talk to them. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you start building that relationship before. So going to their trade shows, where do they go out to get their continuing education? Maybe you Mm -hmm. want to be a presenter there. Maybe you want to join that organization, right? So you want to really be able to showcase what that talent is because when it comes to bidding, you don't want to be bidding based on price, right? You want to be the best value, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, that expertise that they can't get anywhere else. So you want to make sure that you present yourself in that way. So those are just some ways that I would win and propose winning in government contracts is really being careful about, first of all, do I even want to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and then really making sure that you're in a non-competitive space. There's always some competition, but you don't want to be in the ocean when you're making yeah. that bet. You want to already have that relationship established. You want to already know have them know who you are mm-hmm. and have seen the value that you're able to provide. Absolutely. And I think that that probably goes for any time you're going out to try to get a client, right? I think those principles are good no matter what. And I think with a government contract is one thing, but I think if you're, you know, just going out there and you're just trying to win some, you know, get some new business, whatever business you're doing, you could be a mortgage broker, you could be a whatever, but those are great things to be able to get where the clients are and find out more about them, right? If they're going to the trade show, that's huge. If they go to those types of things. So I think that's incredible. I think that's, those are very, very solid foundational things to do that. It's crazy because I'm thinking about it now and like the business, it's so changed so much for me when we started. And I think about, well, when I first started like 20 years ago, we were knocking on business doors, like going to a business owner's door and knocking like, hey, you know, we need to help you with some stuff. And then doing some of the things that you were talking about, following up with them, LinkedIn stocking them, you know, all this stuff like that and, and doing the follow-ups. That was actually kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. That was kind of fun. I missed that part of what I was doing. And then you get busy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the fun goes away. I'm telling you, all the fun happens at Peace Share Business. 
you know, just don't get lost in the illusion of millions. You know, people will go, if I can just make even like percent of a million dollars, you know what I mean? They feel like they're winning. And I have seen companies that literally have $30 million contracts and lose money on those. So you have to really know what your cost is going into those contracts. So what would you say about the top strategies for increasing business profit? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Right. So profit really is, you know, first of all, know what you want your profit to be. Backward engineer that number. Because at the end of the day, you know, like I said, I meet so many business owners and they can make more at a JOP, which is terrible to say, but it's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely, I mean, the average million dollar company, you know, the, the owner brings home $50,000. You know, they're lucky a hundred, but the average is 50,000. I mean, I can't tell you how many jobs are out there now that you can yeah. $50,000 on. Maybe yeah. my local grocery store at this point, my her target was paying $24 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right. But really start with the end in mind. Where do I need to price at for that to happen, right? Where do I need to price for that to happen? What volume would I need to sell in order for that to happen? Because maybe if I'm selling a low-end product like bracelets or something like that, it's going to take a whole lot of sales for me to get to that level. So maybe having selling braces isn't the best idea to get to that point. So really going back and go, how much revenue do I need to sell? Is it feasible at that price point that I can actually make that number of sales? And then, you know, so that's one way. So making sure that you're pricing properly. The other thing is your expenses, right? Your expenses. And make sure you're going through those expenses every single year, every single quarter. You know, what am I using? What am I not using? You know, I think of like my kids, they like to sell magazines for their school fundraiser. And every year they bring me these shiny catalogs and I'm like, oh, mommy, you need O Magazine, you need Essence Magazine. Oh, mommy, you need Better Homes and Garden. And they do it because they get the class pizza party, right? Mm -hmm. And they win and they sell the most magazines. And so the mommy, you know, having a business, she'll go, okay, we can get a few magazines for the front lobby. But the problem is every year they come back to me, but those other magazines just went ahead and auto-renew because there's a secret language in that that signature box that, oh, by the way, it's going to auto-renew forever (laughs) for your life (laughs) until you call this otherwise. And so suddenly I go in my office and there's tons and tons of magazines just stacked on top of each other. And nobody's even reading the magazine because it's COVID, right? Everybody wants to meet on Zoom right now or talk on the phone. Nobody wants to go in the office and see my lovely magazines. So go back to your expenses and go, you know, what am I using? What am I not using? You know, do I have things that are overlapping? For example, you know, I have a phone service. I got a cell service. I've got all these ways of communicating, Skype, you know, maybe there's some redundancies here, things that I can cut out that I don't no longer need. And then maybe I've been using the same vendor for like the last 10 years, but maybe this vendor just slowly crept up their prices, but maybe they're not the best value in town anymore. So maybe I need to competitively bid that out, right? To the next friendly guy that knocks on my door. And so really looking at those expenses and go, is there another way? Another thing is avoid those long-term contracts. I meet people, they, you you probably remember this, Emily, because you've been in business for a couple of decades like me. You know, when you first started business, those Xerox people would contact mm-hmm. you and they'd be like, you need a big old Xerox mm-hmm. machine. And these leases are like years, you know, avoid those long-term leases, right? Don't get a, to a copier lease that, you know, you can get a, a brother multi-pack <laughs> right, for like 200 bucks, right? So avoid those long-term commitments, avoid those long-term leases. You know, I think we saw this a lot in COVID where people had office spaces, right? And we weren't even using them for months because of the pandemic. So yeah. 
really make sure that, especially right now, that you're very agile and very able to adjust to the times and things that are happening. I love that. And I'm thinking about not only for your business, this is also good for your personal life, right? Like personal finance. I think that the same way that you look at this, like you need to look through your personal expenses and see, okay, what am I spending money on? What subscription? I know they have like, there's one company I think I've seen a commercial for, I think it's called True Bill. And it's like an app and it'll go through and look at all your subscriptions and then see which ones you're not using. And then it'll discontinue them for you. And I was like, that's pretty cool because people always forget about stuff, especially like those magazines and it's renewal automatically, right? It's going to keep coming, keep coming. And, and so, yeah, I think that's good for business and personal stuff as well. I think that those are definitely great tips. And the numbers were astounding when you talked about how many business owners aren't profitable. Now, do you think that it's because they don't think through things? Because I hear you talking about, you know, what price are you going to sell this at? And how many of these do I have to sell to get to the number that I need to get to? Do you find that a lot of business owners come to you without even having thought that? So now you're talking like <laughs> you're doing business coaching while you're talking to them about their, about their other stuff. Do you see that a lot? Oh, yeah. You know, the SBA tells us that 80 percent of small businesses are not going to make it to 10 year mark. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think half of them fail within the first year. So the odds are against you when you start a business. And the reason why the odds are against you is because, you know, the American dream is if we work hard, we're going to get the things that we want. And we don't start with the things we want and figure out how we're going to get that. We just believe we work hard and we get to the things that we want. <laughs> and working hard is important. You know, well, let's not discount that. To be the best, to have customers that come back to you, you have to provide an outstanding service. You know, it's not going to be the guy that's giving you shoddy work that's going to be getting what he wants. But you have to be strategic, right? You have to be strategic about the things that you want. You have to sit there and plan, do those calculations. You know, where do I need to price that to get to the bottom line? To, what is my break-even point, right? Mm -hmm. So being strategic about revenue, being responsible and a good steward about your expenses, and then even using tax strategy, right? Because we talked about some ways that I would probably pay for my daughter's dance lessons anyway, right? So mm -hmm. why can't she work for me and pay for her own dance lessons, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of me giving her money for it looking at things from a tax standpoint, I see people all the time, you know, Suzanne, I'm going to buy this truck so I can save money on taxes. You know, I can get a section 179 or bonus depreciation, write the whole thing off. And I'm like, you know, you're a doctor's office. You don't need a truck. You don't need a truck. You mm -hmm. can't pay it in cash anyway. You don't need a truck. You're going to have a loan. You're going to have a debt. And instead, think about how can I increase my expenses without really increasing my expenses? So not increase expenses, but at the same time, reduce my taxes. And one of the ways you can do that is you could have a 401k account. And what happens is you can put away money into this 401k account, getting a deduction, right? But you're still building your worth, right? You're still, you're just literally paying a expense, you know, that benefits expense, but at the same time, you know, you're increasing your wealth, right? And if you're a business owner, you can be strategic about it. You know, one of the ways of increasing profits is, you know, the longer people stay with me, the better they're going to get at their job because they've done it over and over again. They buying shortcuts, ways of making it better, faster, more efficient. And so I want to keep my employees longer. And so if I have a 401k account, what I can say is, you know what, I want you to also to stay in this 401k account. But what I'm going to do is you're going to vest after six years. You're going to fully vest in the profit share after six years. And so what that means is all along, I'm getting a deduction for you. But if you leave me like year two, because, you know, somebody offered you a whole dollar more yeah, right. <laughs> down the street, then you forfeit those contributions that I've given you mm -hmm. and that you have invested in. And then that goes back into the trust. And if I'm the last one standing as a business owner, 
that trust and everything belongs to me at the end. So really being strategic about how do I decrease taxes while not increasing my expenses, but having a tax deduction, right? Mm-hmm. With that. So really partnering with the right people and being strategic along the way. That's how you build a business that'll last. Absolutely. I think the write-off thing is you're so spot on with that. Cause I hear people say it all the time. Oh, it's a write-off. Oh, it's a write-off. I said, well, the write-off becomes an expense and the expense is not good on, you know what I mean? Like that's not, that's not a good thing. I hear that a lot. And so I quickly correct people all the time. I said, you still have to have revenue to be able to write it off. And if you're writing this off, just for the sake of writing it off, you probably need to think through this purchase a little better than what you're doing. So those are definitely things that business owners need to think through to get there. Would you say it comes through like accounting processes and systems? Like is that do accounting processes and systems help with the profitability or tell us a little bit about that? You know, I think that it all works together. So first of all, profit first itself, it's a purely a physics type of process, right? People go, you know, I love that profit first accounting system. And it makes us accountants, we don't have hair, it makes us grow hair. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> oh, it's not an accounting system. It's a cash management system. It's literally moving money you got in into yeah. different accounts to get you where you're going. At some point, you know, you got to know where that money is going, right? And the mm-hmm. only way to really know where that money is going is by having a really sound accounting system where you can drill down and go, you know, this is what makes up my advertising. Expense. This is where my meals are. And like Emlyn said, you know, having that Starbucks coffee to have a meeting every day, if you gave that money to Emlyn, you know, to invest yeah. that $10 a day, you'd probably be a millionaire <laughs> pretty soon, yeah. right? So it's the little things that compound, right? And so really go, being able to deep dive into those expenses is really important. So when you're looking at an accounting system, you have to think about not just where am I at today, but where do I want to be five years from now? And is this system a system that's going to grow with me? So if, I, if I'm going to be adding employees, I want to make sure that my system can handle a payroll, that it has a payroll system, that it can record those journals with journals for me. And, and do they have a benefits option, right? If I want to get health insurance, does that payroll provider offer that, right? If I want to do job costing eventually, does that system have the ability for me to do job costing mm-hmm. in that system? So really looking at not just where I'm at today, because yes, I think I'm going to need accounting systems because I got to do dive into my numbers to see where those things are going. You know, if I have magazines that I'm not using that are <laughs> auto-renewing <laughs> that are on there, then I'm going to be able to detect that, but also be able to grow with me over the next five years. Absolutely. And I think you're thinking about your business. I think sometimes what I always say is either you're working on the business or in the business, right? And I think you're talking about working on the business. So this is stuff that you would have to, you know, work on and think about. And then it's really going to be good for the business owner because now you're kind of forecasting, like thinking about what's going on and then looking at your business as truly a business, right? As a separate entity, not just this money bag that you can just go get money out of all the time. And once you get that, like what you're saying is so spot on. I think about the systems that we use here with our firm, you know, thinking about looking at our QuickBooks, like we use that. And then going through like not only that, but being able to use the stuff that they have. Like so QuickBooks has their payroll thing and see it. I used that at one point, didn't necessarily love it. So went to do something else. So being able to, you know, try something, understand, okay, this might not work as good as I want it to for me. So let's try something else. So we've done that several times. And I think that's a part of the, you know, the process and systems that you have in place. And I'm a huge proponent for processes and systems. I absolutely love processes and systems. So that's why I'm just kind of on my, on my high horse about that. I love that. Is there, systems are important, right? I think everything that we do is, like you think about 
I've always said this. Think about McDonald's. You think about Starbucks, how they run their companies. It's a system. That's it. It's just a system. And once you have the system going, you can plug people in, pull people out and teach them the system and they can run the company with little to no assistance. So the systems, you know, I love systems. I wanted to just see that you talked about the book in the beginning and I absolutely love that book. So love that you have the book. So I'm going to order that book myself. I'm getting that book for me. Looking forward to reading it and helping myself, uh, <laughs> helping our business. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we're changing the complexion of wealth. So I wanted to ask you a few questions. Then the first one is, you know, what motivates you and inspires you to grow, learn, and lead? You know, one of the things that I decided early on in my life was I never want to be the same person that I was yesterday. I always mm-hmm. want to be a better version of myself, you know, constantly be growing. You know, when I write the next version of Profit First Minority Business Enterprises, they'll have even more in it, you know, because I've learned so much more. And I think that as a person, one of the best investments you can make is in yourself. Because, you know, like I talked about, even the owner take, you are your MVP. You're, you're your most valued player. And the more you're able to, to do and understand and have knowledge for, you know, you're the law of the lid. You know, your company is only going to go as high as you. You know, your organization is only going to go as high as you are. So continue to leap. And I think particular now, it's a very unique time for us as people of color. I'm so proud of our new Supreme Court justice, you know, mm-hmm. Ketanji Brown Jackson. You know, we are breaking ceilings that we have never broke before. And I'm a Gen Xer. And I think, Emlyn, you're a Gen Xer too. I, mm-hmm. I serve your beard color there. <laughs> <laughs> that was in there. That's what and, it is. That's what it is. <laughs> And we grew up in a time where there weren't people like us to look out to, you know, especially in the neighborhood I grew up in, neighborhood of many people of color that I know that grew up in, there weren't great role models. There weren't peers of people of color. There weren't accountants that were people of color. I think I was lucky that my dad was a CPA. And we're breaking ceilings and we're creating, like, I love how you called it, a new face of wealth, right? Mm. And we're going to literally be the role models for the next generation that comes up. And so, when we lead, when we grow, we invest in ourselves. We're not doing it for ourselves, but we're doing it for those around us, those that look up to us and those that will one day follow us. Absolutely. 100% agree. I love that. Do you think education plays a big part in wealth building? I think that what you don't know is what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And what you don't know, you're missing opportunities on things that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so having that team around you that can advise you that things that you don't know about that can take you to that next level. I think that's extremely important to have that around. So, you know, if you need an investment advisor, call Emlyn, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's amazing. <laughs> if you don't know about taxes, you're missing deductions, you're missing credits, right? You're buying trucks you don't need anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what you don't know is a lost opportunity. And so to get there quicker, you may have to hire that team to get there. Now, in terms of regular traditional education, college education, you know, as an accountant that works with many business owners, I think it depends on your zone of genius. You know, if you're going to become a doctor, please go to school. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to go a lawyer, please go to school. If you are going to be in construction or trades, you know, maybe you don't need to have that college education. Maybe trade school is absolutely fine. If you're going to be a truck driver going to to trucking school, you know, I've seen truck drivers make $160,000. You know, Mm -hmm. I've seen tradesmen make a half a million dollars. So it really depends on where you, you know, what your zone of genius and where you want to focus on it for the traditional education. But definitely, no matter what, surround yourself with a team that can get those places filled that where you have gaps. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
if you could offer a piece of advice for our listeners, maybe pieces, because it might be more than one, but yeah, if you could offer some gifts, parting gifts, words of wisdom. I like that book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why. Mm. You know, start with why, because too many times we don't start with why and we never end up getting where we want to go. One of the things that, in addition to being a CPA, I'm also trained as a coach. And one of the things that we learn and when you're learning coaching, a lot of it has, there's a deep psychology roots in it with the conscious mind, the subconscious mind. And the thing about these conscious minds is that those are the things that control your thoughts, right? And when you have those conscious thoughts, it feeds your subconscious level. So you're creating, and the subconscious level is your feelings and your emotions. So you're creating those dendrite synapses, which have a chemical reaction, right? And so what you're thinking about affects your emotions, right? Which affects those chemical reactions throughout your body, which create results, right? So if you're thinking positive thoughts, right? You're thinking about things that I want, you know, I'm getting excited about these visions of a house on a beach, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm getting excited and my subconscious is feeling that. And it's creating these endorphins and it's creating these emotions. And now I've suddenly I created this awareness in my body that's creating these results. And so what I'm saying is choose the things you think about. Be really, really think about what the things you want in life. Because at the end of the day, that's going to lead to the results that you have. So start with why. Love that. And I've read that book. That is a great book. That's how I was looking. I was like, where is that book? At? I know <laughs> I have it in here somewhere. Love this. This is absolutely incredible. If people want to get more of you, what social medias are you active on? And where, where can they find you more of you? So the best way to find us is we have a class that we do. And it's absolutely free for business owners. And it's the, we literally teach you the ins and outs of Profit First, like how to implement that in your business because we want everybody to change their legacy, right? We want everyone to change their legacy. We want everyone to have an honest day work, but also have an honest day result, right? Yep. From, from the work that they're doing. So we have a free masterclass that we do. And if you go to Facebook and you type in Profit First Masterclass with Suzanne Morega, you will find that masterclass. Okay, awesome, awesome. We'll also try to put a link to that. I think we can put a link to that group inside of the inside of the show notes. So that'll also be there. I want to thank you for coming by today and uh, just blessing us with your knowledge. So many good things in here. So many nuggets. I can't wait to actually listen to the episode myself. I always listen to them and learn from the experts that come on. So like I said, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Thank you, Emma, for having me. It's been an absolute joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Until next time, I'm your host, Emlyn Miles Madden. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.